world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, we have passed the salt. Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, 1,987 shows. Yesterday was the first time I couldn't answer the bell. And uh, I just appreciate all the prayers out there. I, I don't know what I really don't know what's going on. I got a I have a tightness in my neck that's I can't even explain it. And I didn't hardly sleep at all the night before. I slept a little bit last night. And I just want to thank Clay for doing a great job yesterday. And I was really really encouraged that that the show goes on without the coach. And that's way that's way it's supposed to be. And I just appreciate everybody picked up the torch and ran with it. And and uh, uh, I'm going to get into my what's going on here and some other really, really good stuff today. But I want to, before I, I get do that, I want to get Liberty Mel in here because I was, uh, Isaac Yoder, you guys remember Isaac Yoder, the guy dressed like uh, Patrick Henry and had to go to jail. He was going to go to jail. He reports uh, six days from yesterday, whatever day that was. He has to, he has to show up in jail for a year. It, it, it not only grieves me, it infuriates me. Maybe that's a better word, infuriates me. That uh, we're living in a country where this can be done to godly men and godly women, American citizens, where American citizens are being treated worse than illegal immigrants coming across the border, have less rights. And uh, Isaac, uh, he did, did an interview with John Diamond on uh, Brideon. It's really good if you didn't get a chance to see it. He's, Isaac's at the top of his game. But the reality of it is he's going to go to jail. He's going to go to jail. And I felt really, really bad because I really haven't I really haven't done anything. Same thing with, you know, a lot of other people in the same situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm, I'm, <coughs> I'm a little hoarse here today. Tell me what the heck's going on. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to have Liberty Mel come in here because I would like all of you out there. I've, in the conversation that came out with, with uh, uh, Isaac, he tried to contact both his, fe- his federal rep, uh, Alan, I think his name, Mark, Mark Alford. And uh, his state sen- his U.S. Senator uh, Josh Hawley, he's one of those loudmouth, stand up, marine, scream, and pound himself on the chest and act like he's tough. And uh, basically, neither one of them will return his calls. And I feel a little bit late in the game because we should have already been on this. But now I'm going to let you bring in. And uh, folks, I would appreciate if, if you would do this today. I don't I don't know what you say to him. Just call him and pick up the phone. And just ask them why won't you guys, why won't you guys stand up and defend this guy? I, I think that's really all you have to say, because it's pretty clear to me that they're not hearing from us. They're not hearing from the church. I'll get into that later on too. So Isaac Yoder has to report to jail, federal prison, in Springfield, Missouri, a week from yesterday. Leave his four children, his wife, his job, and report for what? For what? And not a peep from those who should defend him. So Mel, come in here real quick. I know you got. I know you got to scoot. So walk us through this, Mel, if you could. 
Yeah, so thanks to Coach and to Eileen Tesh. Um, they have been all over the and we had him on a couple of weeks ago. So we're, you know, we're somewhat familiar with this situation. Mr. Producer, if you would go to the Liberty Action Network website to the Stand with Isaac Yoder action. Thank you very much. So fortunately, we already have the action up. So um, you know, just scroll down if you would, uh, Mr. Producer. We've got the telephone numbers for Alford, we've got the telephone numbers for um Josh Hawley. You know, so they're all right there. So just, you know, could a hundred of you could a hundred of you make a phone call today? Could you just a hundred of you could you just do that? Two yes. phone calls and say, come on, somebody stand and protect this guy, defend this guy. Go ahead, Mel. I'm sorry. Yeah, we need to light up the phone lines. I mean, we just it's all right there. You just need to it, it, it's an easy action. Just pick up your phone, make a phone call to one or all three of these these guys. And, you know, just just plead for Isaac Yoder. I mean, he's an innocent man that's going to prison for one year. That's crazy. So, um, yeah, it's all right there. So let's let's light up the phones and share that. Uh, put that in the chat. Share that thing with your family and friends. Uh, again, I think I told you my daughter worked in the state house, the Ohio State House, as a legislative aide. And she said if they got 10 phone calls, they all said, man, the phones are ringing off the hook. So we're getting, we need to make the phones ring off the hook. And shame on us that we haven't done it up to this point. And one of the reasons we haven't done it up to this point, folks, are you looking at me? Our elected officials don't care. Josh Howley couldn't care less about Isaac. invited all the parties and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So heaven forbid that they would stand up and demand justice. Heaven forbid. It's one of the great, in my opinion, everybody there, we would, we would all agree with this, would we not, folks? Everybody there was a Republican. Wouldn't, probably, wouldn't you think? I mean, maybe, okay, let's say 95% of the people were there were Republicans. And the Republican Party has not stood and defended their constituents who went there. I mean, it's, it really is unbelievable. And it kind of shows you uh, where we are and the mess we have. Um, Clay's got his hand up. And Craig's got his hand up. So go, go ahead, Clay. Thanks for thanks for being ready in a moment's notice yesterday. Brian, you did, you did a great job for us. You're welcome. Thanks. We're glad thanks. you're thanks. feeling better and back in the saddle, brother. Clay, can I, can, hey, folks, is, is it okay? I, I, I was watching you, Clay, yesterday, and I thought, man, here's the difference between me and Clay. I, I, I get four times as much contact, no, four times as much content in my show as Clay. Because I talk really, really fast. And Clay says, uh, well, it's good to see you all this morning and uh, hoping everybody out there is feeling good. And it's 10 after 7, right? So, Clay, you did a good job. Uh, you just need to put it in high gear when you come on. Go, go ahead. I hear you. I listened to too much John Wayne growing up. <laughs> you do. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, when we went out to the U.S. Courts of Appeals here a couple of weekends ago, and then we went to the Capitol. Me and Mark Trump went across the street to the Capitol. I was walking around the Capitol, you know, praying and all. Uh, he asked me, he said, what do you think? You feel okay? What do you think? That's what Mark, you know, he was just, just asking me what my status was. And I said, well, Mark, I'll tell you. He said, I said, there's people sitting in jail for doing what we're doing right now, brother. Amen. That's right. That's right. And that ain't right. That ain't right. No, sir, that ain't right. And so we gotta we gotta do the best we can to help him. Appreciate you, Clay, and and, and all, all you're doing down there. And I know I'm not gonna say anything. I know you're bearing some burdens too, brother. So I want you to know we we stand with you. We stand with you on that. Go ahead, Craig. 
Well, speaking of capitals, uh, the Satanic Temple is going to be at the Indianapolis State Capitol at 12 o'clock. And what they're doing is is they're against what Sean Foyt was doing about let us uh, worship. And he's going to all the state capitals to do that. Well, they have let us burn, right? Because they're, they're trying to exert their religious rights. So any prayer warriors that want to join uh, at 12 o'clock Eastern time, set your phone. And uh, you can go to Liberty Mail's site and those decrees that we uh, were talking about mm-hmm. on September 17th. If you don't know what to pray, that would be a good resource to go to. So, Craig, this is an ongoing battle, right? Folks, you all know this, that the Gulf War, the Vietnam War, no wars are won with one one attack, right? So uh, we we launched an attack. Randy made a great initiative for us. When we ran the play, we launched an attack, and now we're seeing the pushback. So you don't go to war, and then the war's over. You don't play a football game and then the season's over. And so we had a great run. We won a big game. And now it's next week and his game's still going on. The other side hasn't given up yet. And uh, so it's important that this is so simple. Can you pull that? Can you pull that up there for me? Who, who is running today? Is it John? I didn't even, didn't even notice. Sorry, man. Whoever. Pull up the Liberty Action Network. Uh, the, wherever, where are the declarations? Are they on the Liberty Action Network? Is that where they are? Because what Craig just said would be at noon today if we had another barrage of, uh, not up there, is it? Hey, Coach, it's at the um, SWAT team one. So it's the one above the Isaac Yoder. Okay, the SWAT. Okay, there. Thanks, Mel. Thanks, Mel. So it would be a good idea for as many of us as you can. Set your clock and at noon today. Let's do another coordinated uh, assault. Let's read those declarations. Let's. You click on them, they they appear, and let's read them. Go go to the next one so people can see it. Right there, it is. Just read it. Just read the declarations, because it's a it's an ongoing war, ongoing war. Cool. Uh, anybody good for the group? Before I dive in here a little bit, I'm going to do the best I can and go for as long as I can here. <clears throat> um, I'm going to share. I didn't. I didn't even. Go ahead, Jeff. Saturday on the square, Mount Vernon. We'll do church on the square, one to three. Awesome, man. Awesome. I'll try to get there. Here's, here's the truth, folks. I was supposed to speak at Worthington Kilbourne High School this morning. You guys know how much I, yeah, you know how much I love doing that. Those t- those seniors. I had to cancel. I, 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 I can't go, I can't go do it. I don't have the strength and stamina to be able to stand in front of them. It, it greatly disappoints me that I don't get a chance to do that. And, uh, I, and uh, I don't believe I, I, I texted Pastor Clint. I don't think I can go to Georgia. I can't get in a car right now in this condition. Get in the car and drive nine hours down, nine hours back, and be of any use to anybody down there. So I'm praying that Pastor Clint will understand and he'll reschedule for me. But I want to share this with you because this is this is really a true thing that happened to me. Uh, what is today? Today's thir- is today Thursday. Today's Thursday, I think. Wednesday night. Uh, I, I've never been a more. I've never been. I guess I felt like for the first time in my life, I was in labor. It must be what labor pains are like, you know. I'd, I'd never, I'd never experienced anything like it. I couldn't move. I couldn't move one way or another. I couldn't stand up and walk. I couldn't do anything. And this piercing, um, first of all, I know it's a spiritual attack. I, I don't know if you guys believe in them or not. I know it is. And whether it's just, uh, uh, what's the word, revenge, whether they just tried to strike back or whatever, I believe it to be a spiritual attack. But that's okay. I was sitting there yesterday. About, it was about five in the morning, just before I got a hold of Clay. I said, Clay, I can't do that. I can't do it. And for the first time in my life, 
I didn't share this, Michelle. I didn't care if I died. For the first time in my life, I didn't care if I died. At that moment, you understand? Lord, deliver me from this body of death. And I never thought about it. I don't want you to think I ever thought about it, right? But I got to tell you something. It had been okay. <laughs> it would have been okay. And uh, I think about people I know who deal with, not maybe just people I know, but people who deal every day with pain. Pain. I think I'm sitting here and I'm complaining about this and Vinny had his leg cut off and other people are having, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But the Bible tells us this, that if we have hope in this world only, we have all men most miserable. All men most miserable. And I'd have, I'd have laid back in my easy chair and if the Lord had come and taken me, I wouldn't have cared. But I still am attached to the world. What would my wife do without me? My grandkids and how sad they would be, I think, I hope, how sad they would be if I was gone. But that we have to really and truly set our set our sights on things that are above. For the first time in my life, I felt like an old man. Felt like an old man. And uh, it's humbling because, you know me, I'm either up or getting up. And uh, so it's kind of a humbling experience. Don't worry, I'm not going to go commit suicide. But I thank God. <clears throat> Thank God that I'm, I've, I had some empathy for all those who took shots. Because if I had taken the jab, I'd have been sitting there thinking, God, is this a blood clot? What is this? What is this, Lord? Am I ready to go over the, over the cliff? Am I really ready? <clears throat> but again, remember, this world is not our home. And if we have hope in this world only, we are, again, of all men, most miserable. Most miserable. So, uh and cling to the things that matter. Cling to the things that matter. I've got a couple of things I want to sh- I want to share with you here. If you could <clears throat> bring up Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Now, friends, <clears throat> anybody out there that can read? Anybody want to read for me? Save me a little bit of energy. I know you can. I can. I can okay. if you want, Coach. Okay. Here's what I was because Michelle, my sweet wife, Michelle. This morning, he's always worried about me, taking good care of me. She was up extremely early this morning because I was up extremely early. <clears throat> she started reading to me 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, I read it in the King James, which, you know, I'm a King James guy. And after I got, uh, put bring, bring it up there, if you will, Spence, King, uh, 2 Corinthians 5. <clears throat> and I read down through 2 Corinthians 5, and I got down to about, I don't know, verse 8, verse 9, and I said to Michelle, uh, what did he just say? Did, did, do you guys are you with me? Do you understand sometimes it's able to read the scripture and not understand what he said? And I said, what did he just say? What is it he just said? <clears throat> and so I did what I do sometimes. I went to the Message Bible because, again, I don't think the Message Bible's Bible it's an interpretation of somebody saying, hey, here's what he said. And it's not word by word accurate. I would never pray the Message Bible as a form of spiritual warfare. I would never quote the Message Bible. But again, it's like everybody has a different perspective on it. Jeff Klein may see something one way and Clay sees it another and Susie sees it another. And we all have different perspectives on it. So the Message Bible is just a way some guy sees what he read. Okay. So I don't want anybody to think that I am in any way, shape, or form 
endorsing the Message Bible. But I read down through this, and <clears throat> you kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry for all the hacking and everything today. It just kind of sharpened what this life's about. So Betty got the Message Bible up there. Just go ahead and start reading that. And then somebody be ready to go after Betty. Again, Message Bible, not canon, not the real thing. I get it. Go ahead. For instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven, God-made, not handmade, and we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seems like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll, we'll never settle for less. That's why we live in with such good cheer. You won't see us drooping our heads or dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. It's what we trust in, but, yet, but don't yet see what that keeps us going. Do you suppose a few ruts in the road or rocks in the path are going to stop us? When the time comes, we'll be plenty ready to exchange exile for homecoming. But neither exile nor homecoming is the main thing. Cheerfully, pleasing God is the main thing, and that's what we aim to do, regardless pleasing of our conditions. Pleasing God is the main thing, Betty. Pleasing God is the main thing. That's what it's about. Keep going. Sooner or later, we'll all have to face God, regardless of our conditions. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. That keeps us vigilant, you can be sure. It's no light thing to know that what, that will one, all one day stand in the place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we can do. We, well, excuse me, we do this. But I hope you'll realize how much and deeply we care. We're not saying this to make ourselves look good to you. We just thought it would, it would make you feel good, proud even, that we're on your side and not just nice to your face as so many people are. If I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted over seriously, overly serious, I did it for you. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Clay, come on in. Clay, pick it up there. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A, a, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way. Once we got, hang on, we looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life emerges. Amen. Look at it all. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. 
and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with his God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ, we are Christ's representatives. God used us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself. Now, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong. So we could be put right with God. Scroll down. Is that it? Okay. That's it. That's what it's about. We're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Our life's not our own, right? And sadly, as you hear me say over and over here, broken record, it's the exact opposite message of the church. The exact message of the, the message of the church is Christ died for me so that I can have all kinds of good things. Well, I don't know about you, but boy, the lessons I've learned during tough times, that's what makes, that was what was so endearing when I went back and with, with a reunion with our football guys, how they all one after another talked about the tough times and pushing through the tough times. And boy, coach, you made us do this and you made us do this. And boy, I'm so glad now that you made us do this. And a lot of times we see rough spells in life like punishment when it's not. When God just takes you out and takes you through things because yet they slay me, still will I praise him, right? That's what it's all about. And nobody ever promised you a bed of roses. And Christianity doesn't promise people a bed of roses. And unfortunately, many of us, when we go and share the gospel and invite people to come to our church, they go into church and they hear a bed of roses story. And it's not a bed of roses. It's eight days with a freaking stiff neck. Three nights not even be able to sleep. Grouchy, grumpy. Where the hell's the Lord and all that? Well, he's doing the work in me, man. He's doing the work in me. And that's not the message that, that we're sharing as the gospel, unfortunately. We're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. But not I. Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live, I live by the grace of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. I'm laying in that easy chair, writhing, and, and he's right there with me. He's in me. We're riding that horse together. Do you understand that, friends? It's not like he's off some off, off somewhere far off. He's strapped right in there with me. He says, hang on, man. Rough seas ahead. We're going to buck a little bit here, baby. Hang on. Hang on. Right? Right? We get through it. We get through it. And so we look out at the world, and we see all these people with these screwed up lives, and we are telling them the wrong message. Come to church, and everything will get good. And then they do, and they come to church, and everything gets worse. Somebody say amen to what I'm talking about? Amen. Because our message is... A message is self-centered. It's not Christ-centered. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The last eight days of my life have been, ah, Lord, why, why are you doing that to me? He's just sitting up here smiling. Said, it'll be all right. Yep, all right. You just buckle up. It'll be all right, buddy. <laughs> you keep going. And I said to Michelle today, because I really want to, I really want to go to Georgia. I really want to go to Georgia. And I said, sometimes is it is it the devil blocking me or is it the Lord blocking me? 
You know, sometimes we don't understand that, right? Sometimes, sometimes we don't get it. Sorry, I'm still looking like this. Huh? I want to be down there. Those people down there want me down there. Lord, why don't you? What, what's going on, Lord? Well, I don't know. If it's the devil blocking me, I'll get through and go. Why? Because I know Psalm 37, 23 says, my steps have been ordered by the Lord. He delights in my way. So if I hit a little rough patch, he must be putting pushing the clutch in. Must be his way of pushing the clutch in. Not everything is the devil. Don't ever forget this. There's nothing that the enemy can do to you that the Lord does not permit. Nothing. That makes sense, does it? But it does to me because I'm a coach. What do you mean? I'm a coach. I looked at my players and I saw what they needed. Hmm? Remember I told you a story about taking Andre out and dropping him off? That's what he needed. I worried the whole time whether he would get in safely. I loved him. I cared about him. But I punished him. Right? Now, the Lord's not punishing me. I don't want you to think I'm being punished. But he's permitting it to happen. He said, toughen up there, fat boy. Toughen up. You'll be better on the other end of this. You'll have a, if, you, if you allow me to, I'm going to do a work in you. That's what the Lord says. You let me do that, I'm going to do a work in you. When you come out on the other side, you may be scratched and you may be dented, but you're going to be a different guy. And so we can't, we can't expect the blessings of the Lord without some of the road bumps. We, we can't expect that, right? We persevere for, through them. Why? Because it's the trials of life. And that which doesn't kill us only makes us stronger. And goodness and mercy has followed me. So at the end of this thing, whether I live is Christ or whether I, I don't live, it's Christ, right? That's, that's, the message of the, that's the message of the scriptures. And I got it, uh, I got it. I got it loud and clear. I got it loud and clear. I said, you, I'm, I'm telling you, <clears throat> the other night, uh, I didn't care if I went home. I, didn't, I did not care. Lord, you want to take me? Let's go. But the only thing that held me on was I knew how sad my wife would be. My grandkids. What? Grampy's not around? And yet it's worldly stuff. And you want to, you, you know, we don't want to be attached to the things of this world. But there are certain things in the world we're supposed to be attached to, right? Certain things we're supposed to. And uh, we're supposed to own them. They're not supposed to own us. Right? Amen. Amen. I just wanted to share that. Hang on. I just got to text. Uh, <laughs> I had to text the guy at school and say I couldn't come today. And it's... He loves me coming, and the high school kids love me coming because it's freaking electric, right? And I'm sure he's been building up with the kids. Our coaches coming, and now first time ever, I haven't been able to answer the bell. But I can't, I can't go talk to him like this, you know. That's the way I'm going. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think I'd be able to do today's show. Uh, I'm going to do one more thing before I open it up. Just bear with me here a second, if you could. Uh, I wrote a commentary today. Pull that up for me, if you will, John. Is it Spencer, John? I don't even look. <clears throat> Spencer, thanks, Spence. Has the American church taken a knee? Is it okay if I can't read? Reading's awful, but you guys can, you can read along with me. Or somebody can volunteer to read it. I'm, somebody want to read it? I, I don't care. We miss Silver. This is where he would normally step in. But sometimes I, I, think, I, I think sometimes when I read it, it's best because I wrote it. In other words, I know what I'm trying to emphasize, right? So if you bear with me. The Holy Spirit gave me this the other day when we were talking about it. Ah, hang on. <clears throat> Has the American church taken a knee? 
Christians are known for being people of prayer. And in fact, it's not unusual for a believer to mention prayer as a solution to many of our problems. Often you'll hear them refer hitting their knees as a synonym for praying about a troubling situation when seeking direction from God. Because a bended knee is a sign of submission. I love using sports analogies because they often reflect the life issues of life. It's common to hear a football announcer refer to a Hail Mary pass or a, he threw that one with a wing in a prayer or, well, that was a miracle when they escaped from the clutches of defeat. Whether we admit it or not, prayer is a part of our daily lexicon, but not necessarily in a holy and righteous way. It's not unusual at the end of the game for a team to take a knee, which is a reference to the quarterback taking a snap and immediately placing his knee on the ground as a signal that the game is over. It's an outward understanding by both teams that the struggle is complete. You win, we lose. Is the agreement both teams make when the team with the ball takes a knee. Game over, we win, you lose, good try, shake hands, and head to the locker room. Taking a knee is a glorious gesture for the winning team. It's a sad public admission of defeat by the losing team. In fact, it's a merciful act by the victors, not inducing more shame on the defeated foe. In other words, not running up the score. Which brings me to the issue of our time. Has the American church taken a knee in the cultural war? Have Christians begun to accept the fact that the Luciferian left has won the game, that the job of God's team is to humbly bow in compliance to Satan's victorious minions? That's a pretty important question there, folks. We win in the end. I often hear the players on God's team shout as they tuck their tails between their legs and head to the locker room in an embarrassing defeat. Hope soon in the future to be rescued by the rapture bus, praying that their daddy's about to come and beat up on the devil in his squadron of demon-powered players. <clears throat> we win in the end. Well, that's a sorry lament of a weak, defeated foe. Sort of a modern-day version of my dad can beat up your dad. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that as a kid? What a sad state of affairs for the complacent team coached by the king of kings. I was, I was pondering this subject the other day as I ruminated over the unwillingness of most of America's pastors to get in the game. Entrusted with building his kingdom, most of America's churches are building their own kingdom, waiting anxiously for the last play of the game so they can get on the bus to heaven. I guess they're willing to leave all the expensive equipment behind. You know, all the stuff that the prosperity gospel enabled them to buy. So like Joe Biden in our rapture out of the Middle East. Huh? Remember that, folks? Huh? That's a picture of the church, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We ain't out here leaving all our stuff behind. Look, my purpose is not to make light of the end-time rapture theory because if there is an imminent return of Christ, I'm on the first bus slowed out. I pray for the return of Christ, but wonder how happy he will be that he had to come and clean up the mess that we left behind. He told us to take care of the place until he comes home. Instead of being caretakers of his creation, we treat it like a wild weekend at the animal house. We better pray he's merciful. Just for the record, <clears throat> Barbara records that God told Adam to take dominion of the earth. And he said the same thing to Noah before the flood and instructed him to build a boat for future seeds. After the crucifixion, his son ordered his people to go and teach everyone else to obey because he had all power and all authority over all nations. 
Not one time in all of scripture does God ever tell his people to take a knee. Either God is all powerful or he's not. If he's not all powerful, then let's take a knee and let Team Lucifer run out the clock. If he is all powerful, then that means his church is in charge. So how do you explain this verse? Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Or this one, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Or this one, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is returning as a conquering king. In fact, he's king right now. He's the king of kings right now. So if Jesus Christ is king right now, and he's done a tag team handoff of his power to the saints here on earth, why does Lucifer seem to be wielding so much power? You see, we're in the final drive to win the game. It's time for the defense to blitz, for the offense to put together a long, sustained drive for the end zone. I promise you this. Jesus Christ, the king of kings, ain't bowing his knee to Lucifer. Jesus is the champion of the world. Amen. Fasten your chin strap, tighten your belt, and lock on the full armor of God, because this will be our finest hour. Stand up, suit up, show up. All hands on deck. Our king is calling. Hallelujah. Amen. Will pick up the phone. Amen. Will you pick up the phone? Honor Christian soldiers. It's time for God's team to get off of our knees. That's a boom, isn't it? That's a boom. boom. That's a sonic boom. That's the exact opposite of what we're being taught. The exact opposite. We say he's the soon coming king. He already came. He's now king of kings. Right now. King of kings. And not only is he now king of kings, we're joint heirs. All power he had, he's given that done to us. We sit around, we cower in a corner, and we take a knee. They come into our schools, and they teach our kids transgenderism and homosexuality, and the pastors take a knee. We take a knee. We watch a government come and arrest a guy like Isaac Yoder, and churches take a knee. I wonder if the churches out there in, in Nevada... I'm sorry. Yeah, that's where it is. Nevada, Missouri. I think it's Nevada, Nevada. I wonder if those churches have been rallying around Isaac. Are they taking a knee? Are they sacrificing sacrificing Isaac Yoder? Is he the perfect sacrifice now for their comfort and their control? And as Isaac goes and spends a year in jail, they're going to be fat and sassy praying for the rapture to occur. Huh? Church is taking a knee, baby. Church is taking a knee. And as I said the other day, I say often, we're least like Christ when we're fearful, least like him. Christ, the courageous king, courageous king. God help us. We're creating his image and his likeness. We're the image bearers of him. We 
keep taking a knee. Come on in, Trent. In my way. Coach, we're, what we do here through Christ and we believe here through Christ is any institution that has fallen short of the glory of Christ, that does not lift up Christ, we want it. We want it to cr come down if that has to be, then we will accept that to lift up Christ Almighty, Jesus Christ himself as head over that institution, no matter if it's the health care, school systems, any form of government, the police station. I mean, we do not everything. Others do not. They they may believe this, but they don't want to go after these That's right, institutions. They don't, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. They can pound themselves on the chest all they want to. They don't they yeah. don't believe it. It's cowardice, right? It's cowardice. It's cowardice. And 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 Christ Christ is gonna be upset if we're a coward coach. Well, I know this. Uh, they'll say, well, Jesus never told us that we're supposed to get involved with politics. I, I mean, how stupid are they, right? We should be infuriated. Why are we not infuriated by injustice? Why are we not? If Isaac Yoder was my son, I'd be ripping out somebody's hair. Well, he's the son of the king. Why aren't his brothers ripping our out brother. his yeah. hair? Don't we love our brother? Do unto our brother as you'd want him to do unto you, right? Huh? He ain't heavy. He's my brother. We sit around, big all these churches full of money, sit around, and they don't do anything to help their brother in need. Oh, God be with you, brother. We're praying for you, brother. We should have already stormed that freaking jail. Should have already done it. Spiritually, attack that place. Bring those, bring those walls down. Come on in, Myra, then Craig. Yes, Coach. Thank you. In regard to taking the knee and any of us in this call looking for justice, it is written, 1 Samuel 7.10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. Hallelujah. Thank you. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. we got the wrong people taking a knee, folks. Wrong people are taking a knee. Come on, Craig. Then Lauren. Lauren, wow. if you get ready to pray one of those prayers, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up and start running. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I, I don't have a problem with it. We win in the end. But my response would be is we would have won by more <laughs> if you would have participated. The because Christ, all, <laughs> Christ already, he already won the battle, right? But we're still in the battle. So so look at this image here, coach. So you're a football coach. You're ahead by 50 points. Your team's out there. You got a minute left. And so instead of taking a knee, the quarterback gets the ball and Everybody blows past the front line, and a quarterback's just sitting there waiting to get hit, and he takes the football behind his back, flips it up behind his back to the guy that's on the other side of that team, and he goes score a touchdown. <laughs> now, let me let me tell you, 50 years from now, you're going to go, what was the score on that game? I know we won, but you know what you'll remember? Did you see what that quarterback did? He took that football behind his back, flipped it up, threw it to the guy, and he ran into the end zone. 
That's the mentality that we need to have. Amen, baby. That's the mentality we need. Yes, sir. Boom. Boom. Come on in, Laura. Let's lock and load. Lock and load, baby. Yeah. Lock and load. Our Father, you are in heaven. And Holy Spirit, forgive me for yesterday for not recognizing you. You are, you, that's where our power comes from, is from you. And how dare I forget you. So thank you for forgiving me. So we come before you, God. And we only kneel before you, Lord Jesus. But you called us to stand firm and to put on the armor. Whether our armor is football gear, whether you ride a motorcycle and you need to put on your helmet, your boots, you need to buckle up, put your put your leather on, whether you're a hockey player, whether you're a softball player, whether you're a mom fighting for your kids, a dad fighting for your kids, and you armor up with your word. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, with the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to armor up. But, man, Lord God, Jesus, you know what it's like to go to trial to be sent to jail and you're innocent. Isaac, Lord God, can identify a little bit with what you're going through, but you know, you said you're a man acquainted with our sorrows and you know the sorrows of this family. We're bystanders of this, Lord God, but you're in the middle of all of it. And Lord God, I'm asking you that your grace and your mercy will fill him and that you will assign to him Lord God, some amazing angels that will minister to him and not only just minister to him, but protect him while he's inside the gate. And Lord God, that he will shake those prison doors wide open for your glory while he's in there because he's on assignment from you to go inside the gate to share the gospel and to man up and show these other men who've been imprisoned how to be men instead of little boys crying for what they want because they're all mad because they got locked up because they actually did commit a crime. Amen. Amen. And this is an innocent man who went in to stand up for what our this country was supposedly supposed to be founded on was the word, your word, your word is not to be mocked. And you said you that this is what you tell us. You tell us this, God, you are not mocked. So thank you, Lord God, for defending your name. Amen. That we say that we have. And we're in this battle together, and it's first and goal for um, Isaac right now and his family. And Lord God, when he gets into the touchdown and he comes home to his family, that his, that his children and his grandchildren are going to share a story that is a life story about how their dad and their grandfather stood up and manned up. Amen. He manned up. He's not a little boy. He's not a boy that's, you know, that's womaning up. He's a man who's manning up. Amen. And he's proud to serve you. If only we could be proud to serve you when the battle is hard and that we would stand for him. You didn't tell us we had a fight. You didn't tell us to advance. You didn't tell us to do anything. You said to praise you in the storm. You told us to thank you that you said by all prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to, to me, who is God. 
so that the peace of God that surpasses all knowledge and understanding will guard our hearts and mind. Why? Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So I'm asking you, God, in your mercy and your love, the warfare that you know how to fight, because you can see it and you know what it's about, and it's not for us to see, it's only for us to do what you tell us to do. Stand firm, love the way you want us to love, walk humbly with you, seek justice and mercy, and, and acknowledge that you are our God. The God of the kingdom of heaven, not the God of the kingdom of this world, that's an imitation of who you are. They are blaspheming you, God, and I thank you that you are not mocked. I thank you that you are a God of victory, and I thank you for what you're going to do, and I thank you for the prayers that are going to be answered today. And I thank you for healing, Coach, because you did because he's here this morning, and you did, and you met him where he was at, and you, he hears you, and he's going to hear you in a different way, so that way you coach him so he could coach us. Amen, so amen execute that these plays that need to so we're not just in the locker room we're not just in the huddle just saying hey what's up what's going on no the plays are being spoken and we're going to take the playbook your word and we're going to execute it where we need to go and play our game so thank you for doing this and thank you for every single solitary little even the little wants that you've supplied for us and for all the needs that are in this huddle and those that are, that are listening online you know their needs you know the cries of their heart. Meet them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, something just dawned on me. Uh, what didn't dawn on me? Stephanie texted me. Do you understand the demonic thing that's been over here for seven days, eight days? Do you have any idea what's been going on over there? I knew that this was a spiritual thing. There's no physical reason. I know it was a spiritual thing. The Bible says, thank God for all the problems and trials you have. For they develop patience, patience, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. And I thank God that I'm important enough to them that they came after us. Go ahead, Betty. Yes, I'm going to make this short, very, very short, because since this is your show, and I love to listen to you. Uh, <laughs> the churches like to bow down to government instead of God. Church teaches us to bow down to government instead of God. It's no longer a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It isn't. Folks, Lord hates injustice. I mean, God's allowing this to happen to Isaac Yoder. Do you think he's happy about it? Do you think God's happy about it? That his name, God's name, is being treated like this? Jeez. You think he's some old grandpa sitting on a, on a tree somewhere? Nancy, come on in. Good morning. Morning. <clears throat> well, let's see. I just wanted to uh, tell you guys frequency. The words that come out of our mouth have power. Yes, ma'am. And ever, every time that we speak a, a, a word that is uh, not good, we lower our frequency mm. and we we have a frequency and we need to try to always have positive things coming encourage from our mouth in the lord right encourage yourself in the lord right the frequency you try to stay in the frequency of god Amen. and you try to stay out of the frequency of man 
Amen. So it's a fine line, but it's just like words have power, a lot of power. Amen. Father God, we just love you so much, and we thank you so very much, Jesus. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. Lord Jesus, I ask you just to touch Coach right now from the top of his head to the tip of his toes and just cover him with your blood, Lord, and heal this neck. If it's a spiritual attack from the evil one, Father, I bind it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I bind it and cast it to the pits where Jesus has prepared a place for it. Jesus, we love you. We thank you and we give you glory, honor, and praise. You are holy, 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 and worthy of our praise. Amen. 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 Let me let me bring some news to you here real quick, okay? Some stuff that I think is, is germane. Because these are the things. See, these are the things that the church tells us not to worry about because they're worldly things. Now, let me ask you something. Raise your hand if you live in the world. Do you raise your hand if you live in the world? Is there anybody in here who doesn't live in the world? How can, how can you live in the world and not think about worldly things? That, that is so stupid, the attitude that we have. See, we are in the world because why? Jesus said we were the salt of the world. We're the salt of it. He put us in here amidst these tri trials and tribulations. He said, okay, look, man, things are looking pretty bad there. I'm going to put me in a little salt shaker right there. I'm going to stick Betty right there. And I'm going to fill her with salt. And by God, she's going to salt every place that she goes. And I'm going to stick Rochelle over there. I'm going to put her full of salt. And she's going to salt everywhere she goes. And Laura's going to do the same thing because, man, there's a lot of rot out there. And unfortunately, we're in the world, but we're not of it. Huh? Yeah, I'm in here. But I'm from a different world. I'm an invader. I'm an ambassador. And I'm an ambassador into this world to claim dominion over it for my king. God, why can't we get this mindset and see? Why is it submit, 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 tolerate, tolerate, tolerate? It's because what's what we've been taught. It's what we've been taught. Pull this up because this, this just drives me freaking crazy. They all knew. Pulled up at the bottom, John. I'm not going to read through this whole thing, folks. But you better gird up and you better get ready because I'm going to tell you, there is a devil. There's an evil one. This is some natural news. This is Mike Adams. The headline says, Fauci, Walensky, and the U.S. government knew that COVID jabs were causing myocarditis and blood clots in early 2021 but hid this from the public. Mm. Now, you can go down and read the whole thing. I'm not going to take the time to do it. Let me ask you something. If I went around and I put stuff in your drink that made you sick, am I responsible for that? Am I, am I able to say, oh, well, listen, I just did that because I was mayor. I was mayor. And I, because I'm the mayor, I can make you drink that stuff, right? Scroll down just a little bit through this article, folks. This is, look, hey, friends, this isn't an opinion. This is not an opinion. This is overwhelming proof. Right there, stay right there. 
On August 29th, the U.S. government was forced to release 472 pages of emails dated from February to May of 2021. During this time frame, the federal government carried out the liability-free contracts with Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson Johnson, yada, 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 and disseminated the first round of experimental MRA spike protein, which they claimed was a safe and effective vaccine. These bombshell emails were released under a Freedom of Information Act. And what does it mean? Uh, the, the Vivek Murthy, Rochelle Walensky, and other top-level government employees knew that the COVID jabs would cause myocarditis and blood clotting disorders. They knew it. The risks were brought to their attention several times and discussed through an open email chain. And instead of being honest with the American people about these serious and life-threatening risks, the government figures devised a series of media messages to promote the mRNA injections as safe and effective and mandatory to return to normal. The emails highly redacted reveal the government's conspiracy to withhold important risk information from the public while pushing forth an experiment that should have never come near a single human being. They're still pushing it. They're still pushing it. These same government figures brought forth policies. Folks, they have the emails. They have the goods. These same government figures brought forth policies threatening the rights of the people, coercing individuals to take part in multiple rounds of the same medical experiment that had well-documented risks. These government figures even worked with social media companies to suppress the truth about these harmful COVID jabs and pressured the companies to elevate their deceptive messaging, which reaffirmed that the jabs were safe and effective, even when they knew they were not. How many people are dead today? How many people are suffering today? It's unbelievable. Now I'm going to show you something else real quick. Pull up. Oh, I got, I'm starting, starting to feel a little better here. Holy Spirit's hitting me. Pull up two minutes of, uh, I didn't give it a number, third from the bottom, safe and effective. Just two minutes. Hey, do me a favor, Spencer. Uh, slow it down to, because this is, um, folks, this is, this is just confirmation of what we just saw, okay? Now, this is going to be nothing more. There's no talking to it. It's going to be nothing more than, well, you just watch. Put it, put it at about 0.75 speed if you can and play that thing. Go ahead. Have you ever heard of disinformation? Read what they're putting up there. 100% effective. 100% effective. Whoop, 99%. Whoop, whoop, only 99. Whoop, 98. Oh, it's only 96%. Oh, 95? Oh, no, 94. Oh, 93. 89? 88? What? What? 81% effective? 77? What? 75% effective? 73. Sorry, 72. Nope, I'm sorry, 71. Wait, wait a minute, hang on. 66%? Wait, 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 wait. 60 59%? Oh, she's the same government agency. So I need to take 50%? 47% effective? Huh? 
Freeze one of those. Freeze it. Officials say Pfizer vaccine is only 39% effective. What? 39%? Go ahead. Keep going. 20%? You might need another shot. We've got to make sure we clarify that with people. It has nothing to do whether or not it's effective. We know it's highly effective. It is highly effective for killing people. Four point nine billion in profits. Highly effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, wow, unbelievable. Go ahead, Jeff. Come on in. Coach, just want to let you know, everybody's had a part in this square up there on Mount Vernon, whether they're preaching or singing or praying, whatever they're doing, have enjoyed doing this. So I applied yesterday for another permit for the whole month of October. I should know today. So this Saturday, I'm going to read that letter you just wrote on the church taking a knee. We'll prime the pump for next month. But Jr. called me and mentioned about doing a one Saturday on the square about the J6ers. Yeah. Our, you know, so we're working on that. And if you got be thinking of some ideas, we're going to put something together for that. It's all good, man. See, again, I keep coming back to the same thing. Can you, can you guys imagine? Can you imagine the power we could have? If what if we what if they told us that our journey to heaven was dependent on what we did here? Would we be acting the same way? Now, we know it's not. But if I tell all my grandkids that they can have a grampy pill, and then I say to David, hey, David, you go out and mow the yard, and you can have a grampy pill. And David says, well, grampy, everybody else gets one for not doing anything. Will David mow the yard? Folks, whoever told you that works don't matter, It'd be like going to a football game and say tackling doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They'll all just fall down because we win in the end. You don't have to tackle anybody, block anybody. You don't have to block anybody. Don't, hey, don't put yourself at risk. While you go out there and start tackling people, you might get run over. You might hurt your knee or your elbow. We win in the end. Stop it. It doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. We all know that we're winners in Jesus. That's what the real crown is. What a bunch of freaking malarkey. I'm going to go to my death, exhorting the church to do more. He's the king of kings, and we are his handpicked, power-driven ambassadors against the forces of darkness. Amen. Huh? God help us, that mealy mouth, sissified Christianity. Onward, Christian soldiers. Thanks for all the prayers. I'm going to go to bed. We'll see you tomorrow.